Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Well, it certainly doesn't take long for things to turn in the NRL box head, and they certainly have after round three. Lots of chaos, plenty of injuries, uh, an upset or two, a couple of blowouts, and uh, no doubt a lot of talk since last week, in particular around the 18th man and what's occurred from the weekend. Mm. Funny how a lot of people, I think, were sort of referring to the conversations that we had, I know, on social media. It went a little bit nuts on uh, Saturday in particular because we had the two games where which were highly impacted by concussions. So there, there are a lot of people not giving us a rap, but just sort of saying that we covered it uh, on last week's show, and my tune on it hasn't really changed. Like, they're, the talk now is that they're going to bring it in f- if you've got three HIAs. Uh, I just think you're really confusing well, it. I, I think you'd agree, and I don't interrupt you here, but they're all making way too big a deal and complicated than what it needs to be. How we explain it and how the rule is all throughout those junior grades already, I don't think you could simplify it anymore. There's no benefit, plain and simple, if you lose a half, a forward or anyone because there's a minimum stand-down period. People are saying, well, how could you do that? Well, with the way concussion's going in this day and age and a lot of the journos use this week, player welfare as a buzzword and things going too far, well, you can't go too far with player welfare. And in particular Mm. with concussions because as much as we've learnt in the recent time, as compared to what we know, there's still a lot we don't know. But plain and simple, if you fail your HIA and you have to fail your HIA, there's no advantage gained. The bloke's ruled out for a minimum period. And reading the protocols of what we used to have to go through, I checked to see what it was. It says 14 days, and there was a protocol for it. Yeah. And there's a way to get back in 11 or so days, but there's a couple of days non-contact. There's a bunch of testing and steps they have to go through. And you can't just go to any doctor or a club doctor or what. It has to be an actual concussion specialist. So for the most part, it's an independent doctor and it's a neurosurgeon. So clubs aren't going to be fork, forking out a bill every single time to get you cleared every week to go to a neurosurgeon. But if you legitimately fail a HIA and you have to go through that minimum process and potentially miss a week each time, I don't see where, <coughs> as we said, if that's the way it's used as it is in the lower grades, where the advantage is and this supposed rorting and carry on and all the scenarios that people have drawn up. If you look at the simple way it's been used from cup down, I think it's pretty straightforward as to how it works. There's no advantage gain. If it's your gun half... Yeah, I've, I've moved a little bit on it. Like, uh, I listened to what Paul Ken had to say on the first hour of the Sunday Sinbin, and some of the some of the things that he said um, like sort of made sense and made his argument a little bit more clear. 
Uh, but I, I just I just don't like how we've now moved across to having had failed three concussions. Like, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I just don't see how if you are legitimately lock, knocked out, there's a minimum standout period for the player who fails a HIA. You have to obviously fail your HIA. Um, and the, like the HIA process has been taken advantage of anyway. So, mm. you know, if you look at some of the timings around when middle forwards have HRAs, it's, it leaves things a little bit murky. Um, That's my point in this scenario. I, like, I, I thought I explained it pretty well last week. Like, I, I don't see the advantage. Like, I know that there were, the argument is, is that if you carry a middle forward there and then, you know, at the back end of a game, you get a fresh body coming onto the field if you if you roared it, per se. And that, that would be an issue. Uh, but... Yeah, you have get... to have a big enough deterrent in the stand down and the process around the it. To, you're never going to make it watertight. They're not allowed to but come This back. should just be, you know, the 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 ten day stand down or whatever it is to make it two weeks, uh, or at least a one game stand down, regardless of whether you've got a, you know, seven, eight, nine day turnaround. It shouldn't matter, and then you'll hopefully deter clubs from abusing it. Mm. Well, the only case I think this year. In the lower grades before this scenario happened, I think was Jackson Pollock. Well, we haven't we haven't had one. He got KO'd or concussed. I didn't see it personally in South's first New South Wales Cup game, yeah. and had to go through the protocol. Clearly, they've got him back within a week because then he suddenly played NRL. Then he got a head knock again, and then he missed this week. So I don't know what the standard is, but reading the New South Wales Rugby League website where these rules are implemented right now for concussions and HIAs etc. and the minimum stand down period. They had different rules for 18 and under and adults and older. So possibly for a more fully developed brain or a 19-year-old onwards, they're saying there's potential to be cleared earlier, but there's still a return-to-play process. It's not yeah. something you just go, yep, yeah, I'm knocked out, I failed my HAR, I'm off, we get a fresh player into the mix. It's not that simple. Yeah. Um, and I thought a lot of long bows were drawn, but to me now, after what's happened on the weekend to bring out the way they've done and make it out that you need three HIAs and the second part was talking that potentially the replacement that would be brought on the bench would only be a development player. So I'm assuming that means someone from outside the top 30. What's the point? Yeah. That's a player you wouldn't use anyway, realistically, until later in the year. They're development players for a reason. So I don't understand. You're unlikely to ever get near that scenario. And number two, a development player of all people, not some of your top 30... Similar to what we talked about last week in the sense of your 18th man generally or your 9th, 20, 21st, uh, that number for a reason. Yeah. Because they're not in your best 17. Correct, yeah. On an occasional week, you might have someone come back from injury and they put them there and they name them late because during the week, they might have to go through some tests to even make sure they're ready to rock and roll. But I, I just didn't buy into the methodology of, oh, they'll stash a forward and fail and this, that and the other. Like The process that we're talking about that is used in the lower grades has pretty clear deterrence as to why you wouldn't do any of what they were saying if you followed similar guidelines. That was more the point we are making last week, but they weren't even aware of that process clearly and how it works. Yeah. So as a result of what's happened on the weekend of those games, and I should mention, this is the start of our set of six. Tackle 1 was talking about revisiting the 18th man situation. Um, they've drawn even more long bows, saying, well, we don't want it for injuries and foul play, and this, that, now that happens. Like For me, we've talked about this one before as well. For foul play, I think that's another one where it should be brought into it. If you... KO somebody, like they've claimed that Kafusi was foul play the other week, or Dallin knocking 
out Cleary and you go to the bin and he gets to come back on. Like, you've lost a player due to foul play. Injuries, natural attrition, all the stuff they've carried on about and speeding up the game, all for it. That's yeah. fine. <clears throat> Injuries are a part of the game. Accidents are a part of the game. The Ryan James, Sebastian Cruz head clash was an accident, but same deal. Two HIAs, but if they would have, you know, not had to pine on that last player, got injured or concussed, and you say only two of my HIAs, you don't deserve the person on the bench, I think we're just taking away from the game. To say it's better to watch Cronulla play that second half and I have gutsy, but like, I don't care if they were gutsy. They didn't stand a fucking chance. Mm. The contest was ruined. But there were three legitimate HIAs. Wade Graham copped the head knock. Nakora's head knock was bad enough. And then Will Kennedy couldn't come back on half time. Tell me what advantage they gained from bringing one person onto the field if you have the scenario we're talking about now. There's no advantage at all. You've no. lost both your edge back rows, a representative player, a Kiwi international, and a fullback. Yeah. And you've had to run all your middles ragged. And then you open it up again. We talk about welfare. Forget just the head knocks. There's guys every week that generally play with injuries, play under fatigue. We're putting some middles and some guys into a zone they shouldn't be into because they're not fit enough to play at that game. They're running at a disadvantage. And they might have had two or three others out there that have a knock or a niggle that you can't tend to or can't do anything about because you're also forcing them to play. Yeah, so I think we're getting into another layer of player welfare. We do, we are. But I think it's it's time for, for us to sort of move off it because every I think everyone that listens oh, they'd be and listens to the show consistently knows where we sit on it. We'll we'll have more to say once the game comes down with a with an actual rule if they do or they don't. Well, uh, given them we'll the guidelines of what they've got today, go. I think what they're supposedly bringing in is pointless. Yeah, well, I don't I'll, think I'll wait. I'll wait and I'll have a look at it closely when it comes down as rock solid. Yeah, but before we move on, I guess the simplicity of what we explained last week compared to what was unknown and what people were carrying on about. I don't really see, like we said, how you could rule the way the rule is in that sense. If there's the return to play protocol, it's minimum seven days, so you have to miss a week, etc. It could be rorted, but you'd want to make sure that the player who you're going to yank off is someone that you're not going to need, or you wouldn't want to be doing it in a you know a grand final week or whatever. Like, but this is the other thing where people panic and go, oh, well, you know, if it happened in that time... They wouldn't want to get them off. I'm like, well, they've got the review now anyway where they bring players off. If you legitimately fail in a final or you fail during a competition game, and we saw it last year with Boyd Courtner. It ruled him out of origin. Yeah. I know he's had multiple head knocks, but people are like, they'd never do that for a final or an origin. Well, they did. He copped the head knock five or ten minutes into the New South Wales series and didn't play again. That was the end of it. So I know he's got a history of it, but you can't tell me it's not <laughs> that hasn't happened. It did happen. So, yep. and again, all roads lead back to, I know a lot of people complain about, but play welfare, and especially in that area. So, we'll see what comes out of it, but I still think the way they do it in the lower grades, obviously coming up with some sort of minimum stand down, so it is a week, go through the protocols, return to play, is enough of a deterrent, especially as we've seen in the weeks previous. Say, if Adam Reynolds went down last week, if you told Souths or if he laid down to try and get a penalty, went off and ended up failing that, whether it was head knock, not a head knock, and they missed him for a week. There's certainly no advantage there to bring an extra player in for someone like Adam Reynolds. Mm. Or vice versa, like we've just said, during a finals game, if you think someone would fly close enough to the wind if it was a minimum week stand down to get an extra player on the field who wasn't even your best 17 to start with, I just don't see it. No. I really don't see it. But, yeah, there's been plenty of talk about injuries and extras, and I think it's, it's, it's developed a lot further than what we were going on about last week. We were talking purely for the head knock situation. Not for injury, not for foul play, not 19th, 20th and all these other things that have been rolled through it, but we'll wait and see what pans out when the rule is officially named. It was apparently getting done tonight, I think, 
buzz was saying. There's going to be a meeting on Tuesday, and apparently it's going to be in for round five. The how the situation works is most likely that it's going to take three HIAs, which the one on the weekend of the Sharks game was apparently the first one in however God knows how many years to have three HIAs. So it's basically never going to happen, mate. Yeah, so the okay. rule would be pointless. Yeah, it would be. So there you go. Tackle two, injury carnage from the weekend. Speaking of player welfare and the game and everything, do you think a lot of what happened on the weekend is a knock-on effect and some people are saying we've had too small a sample size of rule changes? I, I look at it in a sense of saying, well, maybe... Yeah, how, no one knows. Maybe we've had extra rule changes this year, but we still have come from a pre-season into a stoppage, a second mini pre-season, rule changes, into a season short turnaround from Origin into some teams like Melbourne who only had a month basically of training into another new season and we've added more rules again. I'm not saying it's because of the rules but uh, like some of the head knocks as we said friendly fire accidents some's just poor technique uh, your things like your Luke Keery's non-contact injuries you can't plan for those mm. we've just seen people have those in the past but it certainly was one hell of a round in that term like to watch the Sharks game as we said Three HIAs. Mitchell Moses gets KO'd as well. Uh, the injury madness you have there. You've got the Raiders game, two HIAs, ankle injury. You've got Ben Hunt, who at some stage obviously thought he had a cork and his leg turns out he's got a, a busted leg. And there was multiple others across the weekend in, in all games. The injury toll was huge. Tom Eisenhuth, broken ribs. Dylan Edwards, broken hand. They're, they're just results of rugby league. But I, I can't remember this much carnage within a round in a long period of time. And last week, we had some big injuries as well. We should know Tabeta Harris and some other players obviously getting injured long-term. Yeah, whole stack. I, you'd have to go through and look at how many were, you know, I guess, in, impact injuries or twists. I, I, I find this one really, really difficult. I don't know. I think it's a mixture of everything. I think it's a mixture of last year, longer season, shorter pre-season. I think little's been said about the lack of trials. We're essentially still in a trial period. Yeah, uh, the adaptation, physiological adaptation, uh, usually takes about four to six weeks to happen. We're not past that point now. Uh, you can rep it as much as you want in training, but guys aren't belting the shit out of each other like they are in a game. No, um, you can replicate you can replicate game intensity in terms of you know getting your heart rate up yeah. and and the meters, meters and all that sort of stuff. But kind of stuff. you can't rep the the contact. No, not to um, the same and the physical aspect. Like our game on the weekend, we played. Um, Hills on on Sunday and you know they've got three or four NRL blokes there uh, in their side and the ball was in play I reckon for the first 14 minutes and David Gower who's an ex-NRL played well, NRL just last retired. year just he, he was off after 13 minutes so I, I don't think it's um, I, I, I really don't know I, I don't think the rules have got a lot to do with it I think the rules are impacting everyone mm. every position and it's going to have, uh, you know, an, an equal effect across all teams. You could then you'd have to look at for the injuries that you think are soft tissue and maybe caused by overuse the or fatigue. You'd have to then look at weights programs, training surfaces. You know, I I sort of started to think maybe it's because they were all playing on wet tracks last week and now they're dry. Now, or it's just it is what it is. Like there's injuries. Hmm. We always have a round or two like this every year, even before the rules were changed where we just have a heap of injuries. Uh, th- yeah, with more fatigue, you, you get poorer technique. 
more the body's, incidents. The, the body's obviously weaker. It's yep. not as strong. You get yourself in a bad situation. I, I think a lot of the extra... I think a lot's been made of technique. Mate, they because, they you know, you can, you, can talk about, you can talk about fatigue as much as you want for the defender, but the, the more often than not, the attacker mm. is under as much fatigue as well. So the impact isn't, you know, as strong... I, I don't know. Like I, I certainly haven't noticed in our Cup and Ron Massey games more injuries. I think actually it's probably probably the opposite. Probably less injuries. You know we've we've probably had you know more rolled ankles and twisted knees and things like that just through uh, poor functional movement and poor balance and poor footwork. Just your fundamental stuff that goes when you're under fatigue. But say, not long term goes. Not long term impact injuries like we've had. Previously, you know, like we were getting all the pecs and the shoulders. And well, I think the, you lose a bit more have, of that. When's the last time we had a pec? Well, I think, again, we lose a bit of that with the way the game's going. That's we're my the point. Opposite way. But I would think, you rather have the pec, which is a year, or would you rather have... When you have you know, seven or eight... Smaller injuries. Yeah, when you have seven or eight concussions like we did on the weekend, though, a lot of those, I think, were under fatigue or poor decisions or... No doubt they were. ...incidents. So, like, you know, the James and Chris ones, obviously an accident. Jared coming in and... KOing His were just lazy. I... That that one I found hard though because the angle they didn't want to show the replay of it. But from the initial replay, I was trying to see if he got him. The second angle they showed, I thought Burgess might have got. I, I could, think it was Burgess. I couldn't tell. But I watched it today. I the second Burgess. one, I looked at the front on sort of shot and I go, I think it's Burgess that he's copped, hmm. not Jared. They're all saying it was a glancing blow, but the way he hit the deck, that uh, yeah, it, it was a hell of a round in that regard. I, I guess the main thing and same deal. I'm not going to draw a bait to it just yet, but a lot of people have. We won't know until the end of this year, but you're going to get a full, full, full sample size because not only, like we said, shorter preseason, shorter turnaround, more rules added on. There's more games. We're yeah. back to the full 24 rounds. We've got the origin period in there as well, and heading into the final series. So if we're going to get a true sample, I think we do need to play the long game and see how it pans out. But if things continue along the same trajectory and there's more injuries under fatigue due to poor technique and poor decisions and soft uh, tissue injuries, etc., well then maybe there's something to have to look at at the end of the year if it continues to trend that way but yeah. um, it was certainly a hefty toll and for some clubs more than others but uh, tackle three moving on the Cowboys situation uh, it's been two two sort of uh, very different weeks in regards to reactions from Todd Payton and what he's looking to get out of his side first we had the you know maybe have a chat to the star and come out and single him out and try and set a stand and culture and forge a stake into the ground and then the situation where he Made it a little bit about himself, which probably didn't buy him too many favours. The response the week after wasn't exactly the greatest. Goes back, has a hard jab again. Looking for a response week three. Uh, one of their worst losses in a decade. Absolutely destroyed at home in front of their fans. Uh, not many people, I would say, looked like they were putting in an effort or playing to the best of their ability. Murmurs already about players not happy about where they are. Uh, I've already without naming names, no other player manager that went up there to talk to a few of his players who are obviously having issues already. We know the home situation is one in particular that has been one that's been made about. Morgan now thrown on top of that. Obviously, last few years we've been talking about how badly he's been injured, but now they're talking that behind the scenes potentially needs to be medically retired. And then today they've come out and categorically basically denied that he's going to be ready to go in a week, but then there's still people saying, well, that's not the case. They're trying to find out behind the scenes first of all without really talking to Morgan what the situation is and then how they're going to approach it which doesn't seem right to me if that's the way you're going to go about your business but 
I wouldn't have thought within three weeks we'd have this situation escalate so quickly for the Cowboys. No. No, you know my thoughts on it. I, I, I had concerns, you know, sort of going back to what was said after round one. I'm not going to rehash things that I've already said on the on the podcast, but there are some cracks beginning to appear. Their, their performance the other night, I think, that one was definitely the worst of the year so far. And there were just some things defensively which concern me, like uh, effort areas, the body language, the chat now coming out of the of the Cowboys. Yeah, it's never starting good. to talk about contract lengths and player managers and all that sort of stuff. I, you know, I, I still think this is recoverable for Peyton, but he's going to have to work pretty hard on it in the next uh, two weeks. I think they've got the Bulldogs in three weeks in round six, so that. That's obviously a game where they'd be favoured to win, but I, I think they've got the Sharks this week, and then I'm not sure who they've got in in the middle. But they're not uh, they're not in a, an easy run of games, but they've just got to find a way to win one. I think that all this chatter will go away when they win a game. The fact that they've lost three in a row and they're getting belted, new coach, there's a lot of chat. It it just makes things. Really, really difficult. So I think this also points to something. They play West Tigers next week at Leichhardt on a Sunday Arvo. Good luck there. Mm. Um, They've got a horrible record at Leichhardt too. Then they but play the Dogs. I'll throw this side up dogs as well. At home. They've had three bad years leading into this. So I Raiders. Think it, it so also all points to it's not just a player in terms of they might have a, a player uh, a issue with the coach. There's clearly an issue within the group and some of the players and their effort and what they're Josh doing. Josh McCoy said that. I... You can't miss the finals. I, I feel three sorry years in a row for making a grand final. I feel sorry for Todd Payton in in the way that they're playing because there's just been no change, and it shows you that you can have Paul Green's approach and Todd Payton's approach mm. and still come up with the same result. It's and this is probably a good message for the game and administrators game wide that it's it's not the coach. I know the coach is the easiest, I, I guess, piece on the chessboard to move, but. A lot of the time, it's it's something deeper than that. Mm. I understand, like coaches are like pawns; you can just sort of move them up, oh, and a lot knock them to over, and you players. replace them. And yep. uh, yeah, so it's 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 a developing um, issue, I think, in North Queensland. I don't have an inside word at all. I, you can only go off what I've said on, in the last two weeks. I didn't like, I didn't like his body language in the dressing room. I didn't like how he spoke to the media, no, and sort of made it a little bit about himself. Uh, and and I, I don't take back anything I said. I, th- I, th- I still believe it was selfish. And maybe that's got some players offside, but that's all off-the-field stuff. They need to play better on the field. Oh, and I, I, don't, I don't blame Peyton for what's going on on the field. I blame that on... You know, that yeah, that responsibility's got to fall on the player, so play better. And I'm only... I'm with you on that side of things, but yeah, I, I can't... I'm not going to name the person, but I know the person whose close situation used to be at the club who still knows people within the club, but it's never good when you hear that sort of stuff. Um, and on the flip side of that, media side, not from my side and stuff that I'd heard, but obviously there's plenty coming out of the joint now today that they reckon Clifford attempted a backflip on his Newcastle deal, but we've already got the new setup where it's a 10-day period of cooling off, so that's well and truly gone, unless Newcastle are happy to not backflip he's, on he that deal. He just got dropped. Yeah, well, he's just got dropped, I know. So I don't, I don't know how that works out. Is that a thing where he's starting to think, well, maybe I want to stay here, even though he's got punted? Is he getting cold feet about the move? Is the... Morgan situation or what's preempted around that changing I don't know but I just found that strange today they've also all 
drawing a long bow to his connection to the under-20s players, Moses and Brooks, that he had years ago and them being potentially available at some point. I think that's drawing a long bow. Probably the only thing that was real solid mail, I think, was today that potentially Cowboys officials were heading into Sydney tonight or tomorrow to try and meet up with Adam Reynolds because that situation at South isn't getting any better. Mm. And with the Morgan situation escalating or what they're trying to do about the scenes and what they're saying on the surface... would you want to go to? ...seems different. Uh, They're clearly interested, if that's going to be the case, in trying to get a number seven to go out there. Whether Reynolds would go, I don't know. We're going to see here. This is really going to stoke South in action, I guess, if someone comes to the table. But if you're Adam Reynolds, is that where you want to go? Not really. If they give you the three or four years you're after in a good pay packet, if that's what it's about, I guess you'd potentially make the move. But for a guy who's growing up in Redfin, around that club, um, like I said, I don't know if they can get past the stalemate they're at or if this Stokes South or his form or if they're just not going to budge on it at all for salary cap-wise. I don't know. But there seems to have been no movement. They were talking that they'd potentially get it to a two-year deal, a little bit less money and be able to get the goalpost moved, but apparently they're sticking solid more on what they said about John Sutton, that it was good enough for him to go year by year mm. at the back end of money-wise, so that's what they want to stick to. So Interesting, but a lot happened at the Cowboys. So keep our eyes on how they play this week against the Sharks and how things escalate over the next couple of weeks. Tackle four. The COVID situation, unfortunately, has reared its head. We've had some cases in Queensland in the last few days. That's escalated a little bit, and it's got to the situation where the Brisbane Broncos have been relocated to Sydney for now until April 8th minimum. Um, The situation now with tracing they've done has got to the point where the Gold Coast Titans are likely to be relocated as well. Mm. If that is to be the case, their next two games were supposed to be, I'm pretty sure, on the Gold Coast. So they'd obviously be down here in Sydney. The Broncos, even this week, due to the tracing and what's going on, and given Melbourne and their government, I think they're still waiting to see whether they can get into Melbourne to play the Storm. If not the Storm, are going to have to relocate their home game to Sydney. So if you're Melbourne after you've missed all of last year, you'd be pretty filthy. But I guess if you have to do it for a week, you have to do it for a week. If you're Brisbane or the Titans, and I I guess they can't complain about being moved potentially for two weeks because the Warriors spent the whole year here last year. So I don't think anyone can really complain. I'm not going to compare Melbourne's situation because they weren't in a completely different country, but they were relocated for the whole year and never got to play home games. So I'm sure they want to play all their home games, but one's not going to be a lot of skin off their nose. But as far as the Brisbane and the Titans situation is concerned, if it's for the safety and well-being of the players, the competition and everything moving forward, I highly doubt there's going to be any complaints after what the Warriors endured last year and are enduring again this season right now. We know it's going to be um, short-term anyway. So Exactly. If they get on top of things, they're doing a snap lockdown for three days now. If it does outbreak a little bit more, obviously it might expand, might roll some rules back, might take a couple of weeks. We don't know, but we know that we're much better... Uh, in, in terms of getting on top of things and, and cutting the head off the snake than what we were 12 months ago. Yeah. I think the main worry that we have right now is that the New South Wales government's bracing for some cases or potential little pop-ups as a result of it taking a week or so for these you know, cases to emerge in Queensland before they were found out about and people that have been to Byron here, there and everywhere. So mm. it's going to probably be a couple of weeks before we really find out the total effect. I don't, I'm not saying we're heading to a breakdown in a full bubble situation like we had, but there may be a few we weeks do, short term. where the players yeah. are, are tightened up for a few weeks to a month pending the outcome of tracing and how long it's going to take to get this situation under control. Yeah. But for now, Brisbane and most likely the Titans were looking like they're going to be playing minimum out of Sydney and potentially Brisbane this week might have Melbourne uh, coming to them to play in Sydney, mm. which I'm sure they'd rather play them on a neutral venue regardless you're playing Melbourne, but uh, 
their record and their record against Melbourne and Amy Park in general is not great. So, yeah, fingers crossed things don't get anywhere. They can play them on an asphalt road at the moment. I don't think it matter. <laughs> Uh, well, fingers crossed, like we said, this doesn't escalate to a point where we're talking bubbles, lockdowns, all sorts of things, crowd restrictions. That's, that's not what we're looking for. Let's put it that way. Tackle five, the Roosters and the carnage that happened to their season. Uh, they are already even went into that game after the two big wins, still with guys on the road to recovery. Guys coming back for major surgery. Courtney who's missing for half the year. Friend, who's supposedly was supposed to see a specialist even discuss his future, who they said the doctor was going to see had a heart attack, for Christ's sake. That's... Not exactly great. Bradley missed another week off the ACL. Verrills was a few weeks away. Billy Smith, shoulder surgery. Adam Kieran's dislocated wrist. And then you go into the game looking forward to that head-to-head clash, which is such a really, really pivotal clash and one of the best ones you get to see all year between South and the Roosters and your halfback and leader in Luke Keary. Non-contact ACL. And then Lachlan Lamb with a, a bit of a twist when his leg got stuck in the ground looking at potentially six weeks. And all of a sudden... You've got no halves and Lindsay Collins knocked out Cole. Your yeah. forward pack got dominated. The game was got, oh, well before that all happened, yeah. but the long-term effects are going to be significant. You're now going an 18-year-old steering you around. They were manhandled in that game. They, oh. They've got some big issues, the Roosters. Dominated. Big issues. And it's concerning. Long-term injuries and a, a grouping of them at the same time. Well, you've got eight or nine people unavailable right now. Makes it difficult to manage. Um... You know, the nine issue that nine was their big issue on the weekend. No early doors prior to the injuries, that they just the service out of there just wasn't good enough. Mm. You Particularly when Drew Hutch, Hutchison was in there. Mm. It was diabolical. Lust lost his head, he got ill discipline. Yeah. In the I second half. You had Jared who was back to Jared of a couple of years ago before Robinson where you thought he might have been on the way out. Jared. Starting to uh getting a bit wild again. Bit of a law unto himself. Belting people in the head. Getting penalised constantly, not really making a great impact on the game. And, and probably the sadder part, I thought Collins 12, 18 months ago was a developing prop. Up until the point he got knocked out was their most effective forward the other night. We're talking Toki Aho, where Hargraves, Liu. Um, that's a big turnaround for a Massive. pack that we're looking at generally as one of the premier packs in the competition. It's crazy to think. Mm. I guess the big question is a lot of people already drawing bows saying, well, they can't win the comp. They can't make the top four. Some have gone as far to say they won't make the eight. I'm going to go to this situation and say, look, Kiri's huge. Losing Lamb, who's developing, definitely hurts. But the quality they've got there, they're going to get a couple of bodies back unless they get long-term injuries to three or four of the guys coming back to really affect their side. I still think they're better than half the competition. Yeah. I think they're going to struggle to win the competition, most definitely. Mm. But as far as you know, the teams they've already lapped in your Manly's, your Tigers, the potential to play the Bulldogs, the Broncos, etc. I don't think there's any way they miss the eight. I think they make the eight. But to say that if they were a threat, or as I said, they weren't really spoken about, come to the season the last two weeks after those two games they had with the players, they had still missing. I think losing Kerry is a huge step backwards. And it's not very often you win competitions with 18-year-old halfbacks, even if that included having Tedesco still at fullback, a more settled nine position uh, and six settled with the forward pack stepping up the back line, etc. I think, yeah. still think they're probably you know five, six, seven, somewhere around there. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. It's not so much that they're weaker; it's more it's, who's yeah. going past them. It's more you're looking at them now, going because well. Because we've spoken about the huge difference in uh, in the depth in the competition. They call in Sam Walker and Joseph Swaley, so mm. you, you know, know the I, best young 
probably the two best young players in the game at the moment. It's obviously going to that accelerate. haven't played in the NRL. Yeah. I think it's obviously going to accelerate their situation. I haven't looked at the team list yet, but we spoke about it the other yeah, night. Yeah, they're going into a situation where they've got basically an international side around them. So yeah. And it's I'll, a good situation to walk into. Sat there this week thinking when people go, well, what were the moves you'd make? I think we've seen the last weeks, and I've talked about it, the catch pass and the ball handling of Manu with the outside backs they've got. I, I, think, I, I hate... I hate that move. I hate Manu to six. You do? You do? Oh, yeah. Who would you put to six? You just play, I'd play Hutchison there. I'd just play someone there who's serviceable. I'd, yeah, I don't like don't it. Don't like Manu getting more football? No, I just it, I think you play a half. You, you, need a, you need a half there. What have they well, done? What have they named? Well, I don't know. But I just kind of thought in my head, from what I see of Hutchison, have a, have a look, I like name. the idea of... I don't know either. I haven't getting Sawali into your back line or Ikavalu and getting him in and for the Sunday night game. Looking at the lineups we've got here, what they have named Tedesco is in the one. Tupo, Brett Morrison on the wings. Josh Morris, Joseph Manu in the centres. Hutchison, Walker. Particularly if you're going to have Walker come in, you can't stick Manu next to him and then expect Walker to do all the organising, kicking the whole lot. I, I just don't think it's fair. Hmm. That's not to say the Hutchison just because he's named there doesn't mean he's going to play. There. Yeah. Yeah, and they've got Liu in the front I'd, row. I'd, before, I'd sooner play Victor Radley at six than, than I would. Well, he plays that link role and can do a little bit. I don't think he's got much of a kicking game, but well, I think he can help out with the ball, the ball playing side of things. But um, Liu is now in the front row with Collins knocked out, Tokiaho, Lussick still the nine, Crichton, Tupanua, Radley's named at the Who third. Who named on? Yeah, there you go, Ben Marsh is in. And you've got Ikevalu on the bench, so... You might see a late reshuffle. Rhea Hargraves, Butcher, Fletcher Baker, and in the extended bench, Egan Butcher, Sawali, Ben Maskey, who I think they would have had to get an exemption because he's not part of their top squad or their development players. And they've called in one of their development players, which they obviously had to get an exemption to do, which is Tukapua Haotapua, who is one of the young Jersey Fleet players who we talked about in the preseason. Him and Nahafu White were two guys in their development squad that have come through the 18s and flag systems and been very successful but if you've got eight guys already unavailable and you've only got 28 on the books uh, you're going to have to find an exemption and looking at the squad I said it to you the other week you played Hills on the weekend who had a lot of guys not in their team round one in the Ron Massey thing they had about six or seven guys who played an NRL trial the other week against the Tigers Josh Ralph Josh Bergerman who's played a lot of cop Tommy Carr who's played a lot of cup as well the Maskey twins who were originally at the Roosters with Radley Manu all those guys when they beat the Panthers who have then spent time in New South Wales Cup at the Bulldogs and now, obviously, pre-season trialling in that Hill system that's linked to it again. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what he'll go with full-time. I'm surprised he's got Ikevalu there, which makes me think there's the possibility of a late reshuffle. But I'm also looking at the Lussick side of things, thinking, well, I still want cover for him. Because mm. I don't really want to have to play him for 80 minutes. And they're going to come up against a decent forward pack in the Warriors. Is there potential if they roll... Ikevalu in, push Manu into the halves and had Lassik out of the side altogether that Nat Butcher could play some dummy half and have a bit of utility value. I don't know if it's for 20 minutes. There's a lot to work out. There's a couple. One thing you do know, they've got a lot of guys with skill. Or they could push Radley into that role, put Butcher at nine. There's a few ways you could go about it. But my original thought the other night was the potential for Sawali to come in and either play wing or centre, push Manu in, have that sort of reshuffle and walk arc, but I thought exactly what you did I'm, I'm assuming if he could he may avoid that altogether even if he did push Manu in with Hutchinson and put another outside back in if he pushed Morris to the centre 
which he did last year for a couple of games, more so than the wing and had Ikevala on the wing, to avoid having to blood those two guys straight away. But clearly, the way they're heading, and I, I think you'd probably agree as a coach, you know Walker's on the radar somewhere in the future. You've accelerated that. You've got good players around him. You know Kiri's gone for the year now. You might as well bite the bullet with him. Definitely. The Sawali situation, you might be able to wait a week or two because you've got the, the back line. I'd put them both. But in. if not right now, if you think, all right, fuck it, let's bite the bullet, I'd be finding a way to play both of them right now. But the question is, wing, centre. I'd just throw, I'd throw uh, Swali in as fourteen. We got Ikevalu there. I'd rather, I'd rather um, Swali in that spot, and then just go right. If the game, if the game opens up, I'll, I'll put him on. But if the game doesn't open up, then you know he sits. Yeah, and we're obviously like I said, see how this all pans out. They've got a couple of guys. Veros be back in a few weeks. Radley's back on board. The friend thing's still got to wait to play out, and people have already started throwing out players that they might be able to bring back Maloney, who's basically ruled that out today, get Widop, Austin, Jackson, Hastings, what will they potentially do? I don't think they're going to rush to find somebody straight away. I think they're going to stick with they've what got they've got. One. They've got two guys, uh, two spots I'm pretty sure left in their squad. They've got four development players, two of them are forwards, two are fullback center wingers in the tour for Graham Twins. Um, and obviously, yeah, they've got the Sawali situation and Walker. I don't think they're going to pull the trigger straight away. They're going to wait and see how the things The Tour for Graham boys are still playing flag, though, aren't they? I think now they're in flag. Mm. I'll, so, be, I'll be pushing them into cup. Um, yeah, I, I think they're not going to be they rushing. Might have, they might have to now. And even as a nominal value as far as contract, if they waited it further in the year, you better pay less. Or someone else might come on the radar. If Kieran gets healthy, it might be another option. He's naturally half with Walker. Yeah. If they don't want to go with Hutchison and you've got someone else out, Lamb would be four to six weeks. There's a lot of things to play out, but... Very interesting times. They've accelerated the development, obviously, and uh, we're both of the opinion that we still think they're going to be in the eight. I don't know if they'll be in the top four now, but I still think who under them is better, even if you take those guys out. I still think... The Bears have got the bye this week, so... Perfect timing. The New South Wales Cup is good timing. They get to bring him straight up. Mm. Interesting how things play out, but yeah, I, I found it interesting that some people were willing to say they wouldn't make the eight. I think there's still way too much quality in their team to say that they're going to miss out suddenly because they lost Kiri. Uh, and Lamb. I think they're still a lot better squad-wise than half the competition. Yeah. So I wouldn't be ruling them out there. Last one. Uh, well, I had two things here, but we'll quickly talk about both of them. Tackle six. The origin eligibility thing. I don't even want to give this whole lot of air, but what a joke. That's my opinion. What, what is? Well, they're saying that Tal Malolo's interested oh, now please. in playing origin and Paul Green's please. there in contact. Like, Mel Meninga's come out to poo-poo it and say, you know, it's wrong, but I also thought, I'm pretty sure in the same breath, before he ever played for New Zealand, that Mal Meninga tried to get him to play for Queensland. Mm. And he chose to play for New Zealand, which I can understand now why he's saying no, but at the time, you're also trying to get him to play for Queensland back in the day. But at the same time, you've already played for a Tier 1 nation in New Zealand, which is not obviously showing your intent to play for Australia, which Origin's supposed to be linked to. If you play Origin, you play for Australia. Yeah. And now you've played for Tonga and had a massive win against the Kangaroos and took a step forward for the international game. So I think it would just be shitting on the origin concept to let someone who's now played for a, tier, a different Tier 1 nation, Tonga, who's now beat the Kangaroos, and now suddenly go, oh, yeah, you can play for Queensland. <laughs> and people have thrown up ratings, especially a couple of the journos. Like, for fuck's sake, we're that desperate in that side of things that if the ratings have dropped a little bit that we think turning into an all-star concept is going to suddenly save origin. Like, people didn't buy into the all-star concept after a year or two because half the clubs were pulling their players out and guys weren't playing it and there wasn't an attachment to it. Origin's got an attachment to it because we're from New South Wales or they're from Queensland and players are attached to those jerseys. It shouldn't be treated as a way to go, oh, yeah, I reckon I could play Origin or I want to play Origin. Mm. Like you either are 
New South Wales, Welshman or Queensland, or you're not. Yeah. You either are going to play for Australia, or that's your tier, which is a stepping stone to that, or a linked pathway to that, or you're not. And the fact there's even talk around eligibility being revisited again, how this whole situation works to me, is a complete farce and joke, and it shouldn't even be considered. Yeah, totally agree. And I know people are going to go, oh, well, there's been other cases where... It's absolute like, bullshit. ...Arad Rara, but yeah, he linked his allegiance to here. He obviously ticked the box at the time. Doesn't mean I agree with it, but he hadn't played for another Tier 1 nation. You can't play for New Zealand or someone, in my opinion, another Tier 1 nation, then suddenly be playing Origin. Yeah. You're either aligned to Australia and you're eligible for Origin for World Cups and other situations. I've got no problem with players with other heritage playing for Tier 2 nations. Otherwise, what would the World Cup be? Half the Samara and Tonga teams wouldn't be eligible if we didn't let them play for World Cups. For that yeah. situation, it's fine. But in the out and out all of it, if your Tier 1 nation is not Australia, you don't play Origin. If you don't qualify for that way, or if you've already played for another Tier 1 nation, there's no going back on that. Yeah. You are not yeah. eligible to play State of Origin. Yeah. Uh, and the last one, quickly, I'll link to that, was the referees on the weekend. Uh, Diabolical. Some people weren't happy with some calls uh, in some games, more particularly plenty of Raiders fans, I'm sure, were upset about the forward pass. I didn't get to see that one at work, but... It was I, I read enough, and then I heard from you, and then I've heard a lot of people, and then Ennisley obviously admitting in his press conference there was a 40-20 that was... Uh, iffy at a critical stage in the back of the Newcastle Tigers game. Not going to take anything away from the Tigers because Newcastle are absolutely awful. But mm. still, they're things that shouldn't be getting missed. And we've got the bunker. Um, you, you still kind of wonder again why these things don't get picked up. Yeah. And Ricky Stewart and his whole reaction to the situation, you think he handled it well? I loved it. You loved it? Yeah, I loved it. Because he got to basically say what he wanted to say without getting fined and without answering questions. I thought it was genius. <laughs> Ricky Like it's the first time well, Yeah I'd ever describe something That Ricky Stewart's done Post game When he's hot under the collar As genius But Well they're, they're They're supposedly investigating For referee abuse Which I Again I didn't see the game I didn't see it But Who submitted it Did he get him in the tunnel Did he get He's like I don't understand like, Unless he's bailed him up And basically told Perinari He's a fucking clown I don't see what there is. If it's been which he is for missing that call. If, yeah, but if it's been brought up in the sense of a ground manager or an official or someone on the sideline, why the game's been going to put in a complaint because he said something. There's plenty of stuff said on the sidelines. That someone around, like someone around, Ricky's got to be got to be doing a better job of just getting him away from the sideline. They need like to put him back in the box so he can just do a Bellamy. Like Bellamy, so, mate, you go up the tunnel first before the refs get there. Bellamy gets a chance to just go wild in the box and he gets it all out of his system before he goes in the shed. Ricky's down the sideline. I, th- I think that gets him extra hot under the coal when things aren't going right because he's so close to the field. I'm really surprised Ricky just hasn't run on the field and tackled someone or punched a ref yet. I think um, I think he sent a few chairs flying. <laughs> he's drop-kicked a few. He's put that old torpedo right foot through a few chairs. Mm. But Anyway, play on. Yeah, I was a bit surprised about that because unless you, again, people are alleging he wasn't a face-to-face confrontation, I don't know how you come up with abuse. Like There'd be plenty of people who have said something on the sideline or whatnot I dare directed. Say, I dare say all of his players get abused. Oh, 100%. But there you go. That's a set of six for this week. But guess what's back? The power rankings. Brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. We've had three weeks now. We're heading into week four. So for the first time, we will be visiting our power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Don't be sidelined by rousing power bills this season. The team at Penrith Solar Centre are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest quality solar solutions and energy experience. When it comes to taking your electricity bills, the team at PSC will get you over the trial line, saving you thousands per year in energy costs. Call them today, 1800 20 29 30, or visit www.penrithsolar.com. 
Shoutout.com.au. Shout out to everyone the other week that said that, uh, that every time they see a sign that flashes up in their head, means we're doing our job. Correct. Good times. Power rankings, Brock, for the first time. Who is your number one? Panthers. That's it. Fair enough. Undefeated, best side in the comp at Mark. Yep, well, I've got the Panthers at one as well. As you said, undefeated. Uh, you can only beat what's in front of you the first two weeks, which wasn't a great side. Both under strength the other night and got the job done. Yep. Looking forward to uh, obviously seeing them Rainy play premiers. over the next few weeks. Grand finalists. And uh, especially, not who they got this week. They got Manly this weekend, the weekend after the Friday Raiders. night football. The Raiders down here, which will be great. And then the Knights, I think, as well, the following so, Thursday. A couple so. of good games coming up. Uh, who's your number two? Para. All Watched right. them live the other night. They were good. Um, undefeated. And, I, yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing from Para. Cool. They beat the Sharks, beat Melbourne, beat Brisbane away. So, Well, I've gone south. Uh, first round, obviously diabolical for a half. Second half, clicked into gear. Too little, too late. Bit scrappy against Manly, but on the weekend against the Roosters, red hot, very physical. Yeah, only issue I have when I message this to you, maybe they need to ask their opponents to wear Roosters jersey every week because yeah. if they play with that sort of intent, that sort of line speed, aggression, and their left-hand side shape when they've got a quick roll forward off Cameron Murray in particular, laid a great platform, they're near unstoppable. Yeah. So, uh, number three. I've got the Rabbits. Yep, and I've got the Eels in that third spot. Similar deal, undefeated. Two of the teams they've played, uh, you know, not the greatest situation. They almost shit to get in against Brisbane, but they got the job done. Cronulla depleted for half that game, but obviously a tough effort the week before against Melbourne. Some good signs there. So, yeah. got them at three. Number four, I think we might have the same. I've got the Storm. Yeah, Storm. Yeah. Two losses yeah. or not, they're missing players. Tough effort again the other night. Uh, should have got the job done realistically. Disappointing way to concede the try at the end, but no Grant, no Pappenhausen, no Fanukan, no Felice. You're basically talking four rep players. Rough start of the year. Still knocked off Souths. I've not lost any hope in what they're doing. They've competed with top four sides. It's been a rough draw. And the next two weeks now, they get to play the Dogs and the Broncos. Yep. So, as a, a Melbourne fan in particular, I'm expecting two wins and two hopefully decent wins the next two weeks. Yeah. But once Harry Grant and a few people come back, I think things will obviously get better. But uh, can't fault their effort in those two games. Wish they were to jag one of them, but can't fault their effort. Mm. That your four as well? Yeah, strong. Yeah. Who's your number five? Raiders. Same deal. Uh, disappointing on the weekend, but obviously a hard case when you lose three players from the first 15 minutes. Got run down at the end. First two opponents, not the greatest, but regardless, they've got the wins. I still think, as we've said before, they've got a bit to work through after losing Hodgson last season, integrating some guys back into that team and working on that spine, but uh, I think there's still plenty of upside. Number six. Titans. Nice. I've got still, and some people might disagree, I've still got the Roosters at six. Yeah. Uh, two good wins to start off. I know the injury is a massive blow. It might take him a few weeks to sort it out, but I still think there's enough quality there. Uh, it was a disappointing result, and I think the scoreline didn't reflect the other night, but in a week or two, this could be much different. Mm. Who's your seven? Roosters. Yep. Well, I've got the Titans at that spot. Uh, you can only beat what's in front of you the first week. Obviously, a little disappointing with the Warriors game, but the last two weeks... They've uh, given it to the Broncos. Bit disappointing defensive in the back end on the weekend. They really stuck the boot into the Cowboys. Yeah, well, they actually play for eighty, so, close enough to eighty on the weekend. Good to see. And again, I know some people have said you know they're, they're two sides that are down near the bottom, but again, there's improvement. There's new players there. They're building combinations as well. 
Uh, and number eight. Knots. And I've got Newcastle as well. I had them at seven, but, you know, same deal. They beat the Dogs. Tough win over the Warriors, which they jagged them. They're missing some players. I'm sure they'll bump up a few spots once they get back. Ponga had no best on the weekend, Green, etc. But it just seems at the moment, I know they missed those few players that we just spoke about. It's always games like that where you expect them to win that they seem to let you down. Mm. And I think they've had a habit from memory the last few years in milestone games at McDonald Jones Stadium of losing. I don't think they've had a real good run of celebrating milestone games at home, which is fairly disappointing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, well, it is. Pierce is 300, 18 errors to six, just borderline played like an under-20 style team. No yeah. respect for the football. Had 10 to 15 decent minutes, almost pulled the win out of their ass, dropped the football, concede first player for scrum play. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not really great, but... Yeah, not great. There you go. First power rankings for the year. Post it up on the discussion page and the fifth and last page. Feel free to post them up still and let us know who are your power rankings for the first time this year. Brought to you by Penrose Solar Centre. There's no one better if you're looking to get a solar system. Reviews of the games from the weekend. Boxhead Panthers 12-10 over the Melbourne Storm. Absolute cracker. And even considering the fact that, as we said, high-level players missing on both sides. Melbourne, four representative players missing. The Panthers, Coruscant, Cleary, two absolute gun players as well. Very tight contest. Melbourne, no surprise with those outs. Kept things very simple. Tried to just play through the middle. Channel. Uh, they went left majority of times, obviously, to Munster, who had a very big night running metres-wise and his contribution. The game slid through a couple of times. But, yeah, very, very simple game plan from them. Trying to work off the back of field position. Errors and territory. And uh, for the Panthers, wasn't the greatest of nights, but they stuck in there. And at the back end of the game, when... All seemed a little bit lost, and they'd lost Edwards and had to have a bit of a reshuffle there. They found a try with a couple of minutes left. Catewell, uh, with a bit of football, slices back on the inside, beats a couple of guys and scores. The kickoff situation was very, very tense, and in the last play of the game, kick-out goes down like James Brown on stage. I can't go on! Then suddenly revives himself, runs over like the liquid man, and gets under the football. Yeah, it was just a crazy game, wasn't it? It was, it was pretty pretty messy and grinding and end-to-end. Very and then physical. And like that last 10 minutes, it just lit up, eh? Uh, it was great. Great finish. Great to be in attendance to, to see it. Um, it was awesome. Mm. Loved it. But, Some... yeah, old, um, old kick-out. He would have been shot if he stayed down on the ground. Oh, what about it? But uh, got up and, and made it he did. a play that we'll be talking about for a long time. I think... He got all the credit. I still think some credit has to go Lainer. to May and Lane. May absolutely absorbed yeah, Olam yeah. to start with, which slowed him down enough to not let him just initially borrow in. He got buckled, but to jump in front of him, that's dangerous. Mm. Lane was also there, like you said, made a really, really good effort. Olam needs to give himself a triple, though, because live it was hard to see because we're on the hill, and the big screen there didn't have the full shot. When I went home and watched that, he passes that. Right. He still should have scored. Oh, I don't care. He should have passed it. Mm. That's a try. Every day of the week and early on, Kenny Bromwich needs to give himself a triple as well. Did the right thing to get through the line for a try for Olam earlier and then just kind of plods along and runs in Edwards. Costs a try that was basically a shoo-in. That was very disappointing. Penrith side of things, Burton, you'd seen why they haven't let him go. Well, that's why they haven't let him go. Kicking because game was he outstanding. Can win games when Cleary's out against good teams. So yep. held himself defensively. They did get after him a little bit. Did his job. Yeah, um, but particularly the kicking game, very very good. And on their side of things, 
no surprise. He was very, very good. Toto was massive out of yardage. Catewell had another great game. You see him why. Like we said, for a lot of people that were saying, how do you like him more than Martin? Well, I just think he's a more polished player and brings a bit more to you on the edge. I think Martin's a little more straight up and down and with the way the rules are going, suits that sort of bench role where he can play edge or middle. Um, Yo was good again, forward pack for the most part. And on the Melbourne side of things, thought Munster, pretty good game. Had a bad miss near the back end, but was really big. Welch had another great game. Thought Cheese was good in patches again. That shot he put on Eisenhoof, dear Lord. Yeah, it was brutal. But uh, I, I still think, again, the future goes through Harry Grant. Yeah, we'll see, won't we? There's no doubt about it. Dragons, 38-12 over Manly. Well, what do you say about this? Stinker. Manly. Right, uh, Dragons are really good, though. They were Dragons really good. Dragons good. They... They're playing good footy. And I said I wanted to see it for a few weeks in a row. Now I want to see it against a, a like decent a top eight sword. side. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, yeah. Oh, <laughs> bit stunned. There's a lot of guys that found some best form, we thought. I'm not sure whether it says much about as much about the Dragons as it does, it does about how Manly. bad Manly is. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's that time of the year. You don't well, really... one thing I will say, Norman back after the suspension straight in with Hunt and McCulloch and the way that's looked so far, it's pretty clear that that's working out better than what most people would have expected, including yeah. myself. Service has been good. Hunt looks a lot more confident playing off him. Norman did some things that we haven't seen in a long time on the weekend. Actually dug into the line, engaged, got himself, you know, a couple of nice passes there. Sims looked a bit sharp, had a couple of good involvements. They picked him apart on both sides of the field, mm-hmm. left and right edges. They embarrassed Moses Sully in particular, but they also chopped up the other edge with Lomax, who I still think even in a big win doesn't get enough football. The forward pack, Vaughney, was good. All the forwards in general, I thought Tyrell did a really good job to the middle. Kerr's having a good time, like... If you're looking at the other side, I think the only real upside that I saw out of Manly was some of the flashes of Schuster. Schuster, for a 19-year-old kid yeah. who can play 5'8", centre, back row, I don't know what his position ends up being long-term, but there wasn't many other positives I took away from it. Cherry Evans, really, really poor form and struggling. Their outside backs defensively and offensively bad. Walker at the back had some moments, was busted up. Their forwards are struggling. It's... It's just not looking good full stop. Really not looking good at all. And it's not good when, as we said again, noise around the place, all the issues we already talked about, not having an iron, Tommy injured again. Now there's talk with the salary cap situation about, you know, that they possibly want to move Tapow on like they had to do with Fanua Blake. It's not what you want. It's really not what you want. No. So great signs for the Dragons and happy for a lot of uh, tortured fans that we've had for reviews here. Hopefully things keep going. Yep. Some real good signs there, but uh, yeah, in particular, watching the two halves play the way they did. McCulloch at nine, Dufty at the back, Lomax, as we said, get some of those quality touches. and uh, Even Bird, I know he's going to be suspended, but he had some flashes, Ramsey, etc. So, some good stuff there, and unfortunately, I guess the only downside to come out of it is Hunt thought he had a cork, he had a broken leg. Mm, interesting. So, tough bastard. I'll show you get those two mixed up. But, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he's going to Missed some time, but what an effort. He played almost the whole second half with a busted leg. Mm. Absolute insanity, but Dragons. Two on the trot and Manly uh, doing some soul-searching, boys, as one of my old coaches used to say. So mm-hmm. There you go. Moving on from that one. South Roosters, 26-16. Not a true reflection, that scoreline at all. I thought the Roosters were all pre-line, way too sideways. They got completely dominated through the middle. And in yardage, the role that South's got in particular finally 
Cameron Murray just being told to go back to playing to the middle, playing fast, getting down, get quick player balls. They look so much better when he in particular is the focal point in the middle. Their bench came on with Arrow, Nichols, really ate up some yards. When they chew up the middle like that, it makes it so much easier to roll those shapes out on the left-hand side where they've already got guys that have to have a good accountability inside, outside shoulder and Latrell, Cody Walker and create danger or mismatches defensively, but especially with that roll on and they just pulled them apart. The Roosters really, really looked flat and on the back foot, couldn't get any yardage, were dominated defensively and probably to sum things up at the back end of the half is when Saluka Fafita did the old rabbit chop to the back ahead and got suspended and it basically summed up their whole night. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was first half and it ruined the game, didn't it? Was it first half? Yeah, 18-0 yeah, right on half time. They scored yeah. again early second half. It was 24-0. This is the second night of my three-night rugby league binge on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Roosters never looked in it. Nah. They, they, they couldn't even get out of their own end. They couldn't make yards. South bashed them. South ran over the top of them. It looked like boys versus men from... Uh, men versus boys from... Real early on, I actually thought the score line, oh, both at half time and full time, flattered, flattered the Roosters. Heaps. If you would have told me, if you were a South better, and you had one to twelve, you would have been filthy. You would have been. I oh know. If you had one to twelve South, you would have just thought this is a miracle. Yep. Thought it was a close a miracle. game. It was like the last play of the game. That should have been forty. Yep. That's the only people that would have been happy. Yeah, I, I, said, I said that. I said that when I was at the game because I thought this is going to be a close game. You no. would, I would not have thought they were going to get stuck in on. But there wouldn't have been many South thirteen plus, plenty of South one to twelve. You would have thought. So, mm. I reckon that was a win for the punters. And then, obviously, after the terrible first half, the sin bin and that whole debacle, they lost their heads further in the second half. You had Jared running around, a law unto himself, six against penalties. Joey Lussick getting involved with the crap. Then they had the real sour note within a short period of time of Collins getting completely put to sleep and stretch it off. Non-contact injury to Kiri, ACL, gone for the season, then lock on Liam twisting his knee. So yeah. if the game couldn't have gone any worse, things really, really had some salt driven into the wounds at the back end of the game for the Roosters. We've already talked about the repercussions moving forward and where they go from here, from the South side of things. We said it the first two weeks, we've seen patches of it, but when you see it strung together for 50, 60 minutes, you see why a lot of people have them uh, as their premiership favourite. Yeah, 100%. They were, they were really, really good. Now let's see it again week week. consistently, yeah. The trail keeps building. His combination with Cody Walker is great. Um, he's ball playing, he's running. He's, everything he's doing right now, he's doing it well. Yeah, He's proven a lot of people wrong. Happy to see it. Cody Walker playing some great football. The Murray thing, I've never understood this obsession of we'll play him on an edge, we'll move him here, we'll use him as a link. Like, fuck all that off. The best part of Cameron Murray's game is the fact that he's low to the ground, Good footwork, gets between defenders, strong as shit, and has the quickest player ball in the competition. Mm. Everything sparks off the back of him doing that in the middle. They've now got a complementary piece that suits the new rule changes and being able to impact the game off the bench in Arrow after they start off with a couple of bigger bodies. And Nichols is getting better, it seems, at the back end of his career and accelerating bit minutes as the years have gone on. Bigger role last year, having a great role with Arrow rolling off the bench and had a big impact with him on the weekend when he came on the field as well. Yeah. Um, defensively, they're two edges. I really like Kalamatangi. I think that suits him down to the ground. If they need a more impact for their middles off the bench, I'd have him there. But I don't think they have anyone better to play on that edge. Still had a few errors, as did Sewer. But I think you'll take an error or two with what those two bring physically to the game. So, yeah, good signs there. 
for South Sydney Roosters. Um, the one, the people I kind of felt sorry for. Thought Collins, like I said, led the way before he got carried for that forward pack. But Tedesco, honestly, could he be any busier in a beaten team? No, he's ridiculous. Where's he going? He's absolutely everywhere. Thought Tupo tried hard. He got Wheelbarrow back a few times, as did most of the outside backs. But uh, nothing happens when your forward pack gets blown away like theirs did. So some issues there for Robinson and now those injuries. Don't know what it's going to take, but I think there needs to be a bit of a chat with Jared, Toki, Liu, a couple of those guys, because they need more. Especially now you've got those young guys coming in. Warriors, Raiders, 34-31. I was out doing some flood work, and I I messaged you because I missed this completely. This sounded like it was absolutely berserk. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Absolutely berserk. Is a, yeah, it's a good way to describe it. Um, well, if you'd like game, me, was it just a game of two halves, really? 25-6 at half time. you're thinking... Yeah, you tr- you're probably going to switch it off. Four um, scores, that's, that's gone. I kept it on, but I was passively watching it. Uh, but it was more about the interchanges. Well, not so much more about the interchanges. It was, it, w- it was about the interchanges. That's what turned the game. But they, they'd had interchange problem in the first half, the Raiders, and they sort of reacted to it by punching the Warriors in the face and the, the Warriors really didn't they, they wobbled they, they really needed half time I felt uh, and they sort of steadied at half time and then they just gradually chipped away and started to cycle and started to put some fatigue in the Raiders and you know they were able to score a couple of soft tries the, the one off the forward pass was um, shouldn't have been a try but there were a few others that were scored like the Nicarima try was super soft mm. just slid through um, and Jordan Rapana should have scored in the end. Like he had the the ball in the wrong hand. He had his the ball in the right hand from where the defender was coming, and the, the defender knocked it out. It was. He still think it would have made. I, I know he should have held it down the other hand, but no, it would have mattered a hundred percent. I thought he, Rogers he could still have had, had enough of his no, body he could, he could have had that arm out to move that hand away or whack that hand away, or put tuck it into your body and use your right arm to fend him away. Or do what some have done: go airball with both the hands. Trying to get I don't vertical. understand what this fascination with going airborne. Right? Ah, he was going to get to the corner. It wasn't a matter of, um, it wasn't a matter of height or distance. It was a matter of getting the ball down. Yeah. Well, sometimes they do that whole thing where they almost throw themselves out of touch, like they're going to get clear. But I thought Roger got well enough of his body in the picture. Well, he did, and that also made me think: Why didn't he stop and come back on his? Or inside? try to absorb it a bit, like Ferguson did the other week, or I don't know. Probably better options. Look, well, there was a, they're, they're all better options than having the ball in the um, arm where the defender's going to hit and make contact. Oh. Especially when it was a one-arm carry. It wasn't a two-hand carry. I got to watch it on a bit of a faster replay after missing it live. And, yeah, at halftime at 25-6, even with the injuries and losing the players early, I thought, surely that's going to be enough. They're going to be able to hold on. But the Warriors reeled them back in. Sheck was incredible. Um the running meters, the offloads, the tackle breaks, the try saves, as always. In particular, that 
that facet of his game over the last few years, the try saves have been great. I know there was a fair bit of fatigue in it, but Nick Arima obviously took advantage of some lazy defenders, had a bit of a field day. The Buntier forward chase down was my highlight of the game. Mm. That's me running away from Monday. He just hunted down. That 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 is one of those efforts that you look back on in a game and go, that's huge. That's yeah, a was, big place in the front fun. row. Yeah. But, yeah, obviously the forward pass, huge. Canberra fans wouldn't be happy about that on top but of it. they should have won the game anyway, so... yeah. So, like, like I, I get they got a dog call. The boogeyman come back to get him in the second yeah. half. And they 25-6, and then they had a try at the end to to, uh, to win it. I think from what I heard earlier, Chris and James were cleared, but Tapine and Curtis Scott potentially going to be missing this week. So okay. they've got one or two guys potentially back this week, but potentially lost one or two. But again... One of those games, again, like you said, with that sort of lead and that situation that you'd like to think that you'd be able to hold on to. Close it out. Because um, hopefully that doesn't come back to burn you. In the long term, for the Warriors, I guess, they got burned at the, the last post last week against the Newcastle Knights, but still won this week. Missing a couple of players of their own. Yeah. Come under it without their halfback. O'Sullivan filling in. Um, obviously, Aitken, and they lost Chanel to Van Harris as well. So, Brown and the Warriors would obviously be very happy with that result. Broncos, Dogs, 24-0. Seriously, I... Terrible game. I'm voting for, like, we should be able to skip, like, one or two games a week. This, well, this was the worst game I've ever seen in my life. This is easy to sum up. For 60 minutes, basically nothing happened. The they, Broncos just, they played nervous. Hmm. They played tense. As soon as they got to 12-0, if, if that was in 20 minutes, like, oh, after 20 minutes, it would have been 50. Exactly. Uh I still, the, the, probably the only thing I took away from this, yeah, they cut them apart at the back end. I still think they've got better individual players and uh, any of the talk or some of the guys already going, ah, yep, Kevy's got the win. The mate, like It's the same game they won last year after the COVID break. The only game they won was against the Bulldogs. So it doesn't solve any of the problems at all. Well, it solves, solves the problem in that they've won I'm and still, they, they look happier. I'm still looking at one thing, which is why the fuck do you play Tom Dearden for five minutes? Yeah. I'd yeah, the play him. Or you play him in cup. At this point in time... But again, I, that's that's something that hasn't changed from just, Seabold to, to Walters. So I just don't get that. Seabold was doing the same thing, sort of. And I know they won, but I still didn't think the halves were great. I still think Tommy Dearden's better than both of them. I think Dearden should be in the half somewhere. You just simply... Maybe sign somewhere. I don't know. Who knows? Well, that again... That's I'm the sick only, of talking about... Brisbane. The only other thing, but... Because they're so bad at rugby league, but yet they get spoken about... Yep. So much. So. Well, Azarko obviously um, come up with the first play to open the they floodgates. Look they ran away with it from there. God, are we really going to talk about this game? No, yeah. I'm just summing up the back end. Coates Jesus. obviously had a couple of big plays at the back end. The kickoff really put the icing on the cake. thought Farnworth had a pretty good game Farnworth as well. Farnworth was good. But overall, the standard of this game was horrendous. Uh, for the Dogs, doesn't get any better. Well, they what lost. does that say for the Dogs? Oh, they, they 100%. Pounded. And they lost Marshall King again to a foot. Raymond Fatala Mariner was the week before. It's not getting any easier. Uh, and the next couple of weeks, I'm pretty sure their draw gets ugly. They've got the Storm coming up. I think they've got South as well. They've got South this week, Storm next week. So it's only getting harder for the Bulldogs. Enjoy. For Brisbane. Brisbane running the Storm. They've got the Storm this week, and I'm pretty sure similar kind of run coming up afterwards. They've got Parramatta for a second time in these eight weeks. I think they've got South, Panthers, etc. So they've got a run coming up of all hmm. those sort of finals teams. So I'm glad they've got that win. They've got Haas coming back this week because they've got a tough draw coming. Moving on from that one. Eels, Sharks, you were at this game. I'm going to ask you, because some people said they really enjoyed Cronulla's effort in the second half. Like, to me, a lot of my interest 
disappeared when I knew they had no bench left for the second half. Yeah. Because... I loved it. It was, it was great. That, that stadium's unbelievable. It's an absolute belter. But you enjoyed the game? Loved despite it. Despite the fact it basically had I'd, zero chance I'd, of the Sharks winning? I drank about 10 Iron Jacks, well, so... That, that doesn't get to the point of what I'm making. Yeah. I knew well, that, sh- that, that increased my enjoyment value. Yeah, so well, as a, as if you were at home... Paying $7.80 for an Iron Jack didn't really excite me, though. Nah. When I text you at halftime saying they've got Kennedy in for HA at halftime and he's not coming We sort of knew that on the ground. They were announcing it over the loudspeaker, but they weren't announcing when they failed. You just sort of had to work out where he hasn't been back on, so he's failed. Yeah. Well, good on him for holding on for 25, 30 minutes in the second half, but I didn't enjoy it. They basically got... You didn't enjoy the game. ...pummeled from pillar to post and were just hanging on for dear life. I'll tell you the one thing that that stadium exacerbates is the physicality. Yeah, I've enjoyed Mate, that you one. You're so close stadium. to the game. It's it's not funny. Like we were behind the post at the end where Cronulla were receiving um, or defending in the first half and yeah, it was awesome. Well, it was how many, great, yeah. great night. I had this bloke sitting behind me <laughs> who was fucking legit mental. He was fucking yelling some ridiculous things out. Um, things that I can't repeat on the podcast, but there were families around. Like, he was making me squirm in my seat, this bloke. Mad, psychopathic Parramatta fan. There's, I know there's a thousand of you out there, <laughs> but, mate, this bloke was next level. Um, and he, shit crazy. And he stunk. Yeah, well, it just oh, wasn't, yeah, wasn't like, yeah. So, we sat in, um, you know, the family, I guess the family section. The uh, what what do you call it? The cheap seats or whatever you, whatever you want to call it. But you should um, have happy Gilmore. I'll see you in the parking. Nah, room. no, he wasn't. Offend- <laughs> he wasn't offending me. It takes a lot. Yeah, of but offending was he me. offending children? He was there. screaming at um Josh Dugan. He was screaming oh. at Aaron Woods. Dear Lord. He was screaming at Mitchell Moses. He was that, that guy. He's yeah. screaming at his own player. Yeah, he's like Mitchell <laughs> Moses. Your shit. He was just fucking <laughs> giving it to him. <laughs> I was like, mate, this guy's out of control. Was he as bad as the guy we had at Origin? That Take your year? fucking shit tattoos back to Canberra, Dugan. He was just giving. He was absolutely laced. This bloke. I don't know if you remember this, and this is going. And on. he had his mum with him. Oh, wow. Even better. It was unbelievable. Quality. Do you remember the yeah. origin when we won the series? And we were down, obviously, in the members, which is generally, you know, we don't really fit in the members. Some people in there are the corpos and got yeah, their business partners and sponsors. There was a big business group next to us, I remember, for that year we won. And they're all suited up and booted. And then just as the game kicked off, one of the guys, who's obviously a bit entitled because he's got a bit of cash, he was standing up telling Hodges to basically die and this person oh, and that. Right, and I remember yeah. the people around us, because one guy had his kid there, told him to calm it down. He'd only had like two beers, this bloke, and he was just giving it to the bloke and his family. And I remember about six or seven people getting up around us basically like, we're going to flog you. Yeah. And he got taken away. I was just like, I've never seen something escalate so quickly from yeah. someone who was legit sober, but the entitlement to think just because he was in the you expensive seats. That yeah. he could tell someone to die and someone else to fuck off and all the rest Wasn't of it. Right. The people around us, in particular, feel the dads now quickly they lit up. I was like, "This is excellent. This bloke's about to get flogged." But yeah, look, the bloke, the bloke that sat behind me should be under house arrest. He was fucking out of control. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Uh, well, like I said, it's not very often in a game that you run for two thousand four hundred meters to thirteen hundred. But when you've got a team that's lost, Clint their whole bench was unbelievable. Yeah, but I. I still find it hard to take much out of it when you've ran at a team for 40 minutes relentlessly, had 60% of possession who were just out on their feet and got guys defending in positions. Yeah, that well, I think you're probably undervaluing Cronulla. They, they tried pretty hard. I'm not undervaluing what they did. I'm giving them a rap for it. But to me, the game was done. Yeah, it was done. Parramatta had to win this game, and they did win this game. 
good on Cronulla for holding on and not letting him score until about the 70th minute. But to me, the contest was gone with the four guys off the field. Yeah. So from that perspective, I didn't enjoy just seeing Parramatta run them ragged and go over the top of them to the point that they broke. I just I didn't really enjoy the game. Yeah, well, you're an idiot. It was a good so, game. Play on, go. move on. <laughs> you're an idiot. Move on. Gutherson was great. Brown, Murata, Paulo, etc. All those guys are good. Moses, I wonder if he's clear to play this week. All those Sharks guys. Interested to see if they've been named when we do our tips. Yeah. And that soon as well. Um, is there anyone you thought stood out for the Sharks in that slugfest? Yeah. Um, old mate, Toby Rudolph. Old Rudolph. Tarzan. He was good. Uh, Had a dig. Who else was good? I just yeah, thought they were hanging on for dear life. Yeah, they were. They they bloody tried hard. Mm. All right, we'll hard. get off that one then. Good effort, good win. Brayley was good. No one was, no one was good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Moving on. Play on. You were sourced. Tigers Newcastle. I wasn't sourced, but I, I had a good night. Yeah. Tigers Newcastle, twenty four twenty. Another of those ones that we talked about that a lot of people think they should win and they didn't. Losing best and Stafford Tower. Oh. Before kickoff, obviously didn't help, but milestone game, 300 at Newcastle. Threw it down the road. And to sum it up, they were shit. They weren't good. 18 errors to six. They never gave themselves a Jesus, chance. Jesus, that many errors. Anytime they looked like they had half a chance, they dropped the football. They certainly weren't helped by their back five. Shibasaki had an absolute barry. He did have a barry. He couldn't hold He was moving out of the way of kicks in here. Poor Dom Young didn't have the best ending he of the was, game. Um, he it was made... like the ball came near him and he was screaming. Yeah. He was trying having... to hide under a sheet or Shiba wasn't something. having a good time. Um, Smouse Jr. Smouse. Schwain. Schwain Jr. <laughs> 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 Can't that... say that anymore because all the fucking Chris yeah. Lilly shows have been banned. Yeah. Oh, take yeah. it away. Yeah, geez, let's take funny stuff off TV. Fuck me. What do we come to? Yep. Anyway, I want to be able to watch that. So I, you tell me I can't watch that now. I can't go on Netflix anywhere and watch that. I don't know. I think it's all gone. What, what was that one called? That was Angry Boys. I reckon I got it on DVD, thank God. Probably. But he didn't have the greatest of days. That reshuffle hurt. Angry Boys. They had a quick little period in the second half after being under the pump where they found a bit of football. Connor Watson certainly, certainly brought some spark off the bench. Cut through, set up a nice try. Tex Hoy. Had some good moments, despite the fact he made a few errors during the day. Uh, getting Piercy, a try on his 300. Frizzell had a pretty good game. He scored that try. And w- when you thought they'd got that lead back, and then you thought, here we go, the poor Tigers on wobbly legs, it might be all done with. And Shibasaki drops another ball. Scrum play. First one off the scrum, in the corner. Nofaluma, dead and buried. Yeah. All that effort, they drag themselves back in and uh, undone. Adam Dewey's goal-kicking. Wow. He was hitting them. He was, yeah. Bit reminiscent. Uh, but I thought he was very, very good. Steadied things for Brooks. Defended well. Kicked well. As a collective, obviously much better defensively than what they've been in the last few weeks. Leilua resigned to Cup. They obviously had a big win on the weekend. 50 points. But if you win, I doubt you're going to make many changes. So you'll probably have to spend another week down in Cup. Uh, but overall, I guess he got the response he wanted and... Yuta Kamano had his best game since coming to first grade with lots of wraps on him. Come up with a nice try there when he got through the line. Very mobile. And I think Laurie, Laurie's been their best player to me week in, week out. He's been outstanding so far for the Tigers. Yeah, he has been. Yeah. Really good boy. Really, really good boy. Um, yeah, it was just a weird game to watch. The Tigers were good. They are always going to be. They are always going to re- react after last week, dropping Leilua and... Newcastle home massive home crowd daytime footy Pierce's three hundredth you couldn't have enough 
Could have thousands on them, but um, yeah, no good. Nope. They're gone skis. So good effort from the Tigers. They get one on the board. Let's see if they can bake it back to back this week up against the Eels. What is becoming a traditional clash on the Easter Monday for Newcastle? Like I said, there were some good players. Frizzell, Watson, Barney had a good game, but eight missed tackles. So like Tex had some good moments, but four errors. And then poor Dom Young, the Englishman on debut, the 19 year old, didn't have the greatest ending there. A couple of errors at the back end. And Shibasaki just had a nightmare. I, I think he'll be doing practice, like you said, this week. Catching some bombs at training. Um, but also at the same time, he's, for the most part, been a centre. I don't know how much work he's done with kickers' catches, but clearly needs to do more. Yes. Because it wasn't a great day, that's for sure. But leaving that one behind, last game of the round, your mob, the Titans, huge win, 44-8. The Cowboys, plain and simple, awful. No response to some of the criticism of the last two weeks and changes and trying to spark things up. The only positives I really saw were small things in the sense of Holmes found space a few times at fullback, but to me, he looked like he's still not up scratch fitness-wise to make effort on effort. Tualungi was the only real highlight defensively for me. Some of his decisions off the edge, you see a lot of centres and wingers that are younger these days struggle to sum things up, even when they're short of numbers. He kept landing on the pass. He laid a few people out, so I thought he made a good impression in his first game back in, after uh, obviously after waiting a couple of weeks. And then another other one who does the same thing week in, week out, whether you like him or not, and... I'm not the biggest fan of uh, some of his antics, but it's Josh McGuire. At least you know what you're going to get week to week. 100%. But he's going to go in and be a bastard. <laughs> when he sprayed them after the game, I thought that pretty much sums it up. Sick of the shit. We've got a soft underbelly and we keep talking. We have little moments in attack, but then we just undo it with poor efforts or lazy efforts. I don't think he could have summed it up any better. It's all fair. So, and as a collective, like we said... Uh, say what you will about a few of the comments and the way Peyton's approached so far, but it highlights what we've said in before that Three years without finals, the issue is clearly not just Paul Grant. There's a problem in that playing group. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys that obviously aren't doing their job and it might be a bigger clean out or a bigger task than most expected. And like a lot of people say in the last few years, having the eight or close to eight or things will improve, it's just not happening. There's a lot hanging over. Uh, on the Titans side of things, Tino again, I thought, was outstanding. Probably a couple of errors trying to do too much. But man, you've got to be happy with that boy. Oh, yeah. He's been outstanding. Yeah. I loved him at Melbourne. I didn't think he was going to... not. I didn't think he was not not going to be like this, but in the sense of just every week so far, it's been personal to try and hurt everyone and be the leader and from the front from a bloke who's 20. I'm sure things accelerated last year from having a bigger role in Melbourne, whether it be starting bench, to getting to Origin, having that confidence, taking what he's learned there and then going to the Gold Coast and thinking, well, you know, instead of... As has happened in the past, like we spoke about, guys going there to take the piss, going, I want to own this. I want to be the leader. I want to really come in here and make a statement. I think he's done that and then some Yeah. in spades. I think Fafita obviously had a nice week last week, had a, a good game again on the weekend. Uh, I'm not going to go off like some people saying he's already justified his pay packet because they've played two pretty average sides. But if that's a sign of what's to come off what their middles are doing, which is what allows him to get that kind of ball on the edge, I think... Yeah, my, my, my biggest sign is watching Tino, Moiaki and the bench, the way Lasone, Yoli from the value they're getting out of him. If they do a job like that through the middle, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to get getting good football out of David Fafita and the outside backs. Yeah. But I'm more impressed in the sense of I didn't think Tino was, not just his play, but the whole way he's carrying himself right now in that team. He's getting around the field like a hitman. Yeah. He wants to hurt everyone. He wants to own every result. He wants to run through everyone's face. 
I'm extremely impressed more so from the impact he's trying to make, not just through his actions, but the way he's he's getting around the field. Mm-hmm. He's playing like he is the baddest man on the planet, and it's awesome to watch. Yep, machine. So, good signs there from their two big guns. Uh, thought the halves were nice and steady. Boyd did his job. Fogarty steered him around. Brimson had some good moments at the back, and again, if his form continues, obviously going to be staking a claim to have another crack at that Queensland jersey, especially if Ponga who's had a bit of an injured, delayed start, doesn't uh, kick straight back into form. If not, at least throwing his hand up for that utility spot off the bench. Yeah. So, good signs. Yeah, they're flying it. Again, we played the Cowboys and the Broncos. Canberra this week, so a better test. We good get a, test. A we always play Canberra in the first month. It's good, so, good time forward. to get for Canberra as well, I reckon. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Good confidence off two not, wins. Not that it matters. I think Titans are going to just go in and tear heads off whoever they play this year. Yep. Looking forward to watching it though, like you said. Uh, two what day is that on? Don't know. Saturday, I think. Good. We're about to get to that. But that wraps up the reviews of the games for the weekend. Now, into our tips and betting preview. And we've got a sponsor on board again. The charity account is back. Yeah. Bluebet have come on board. Bluebet. Thank you, Bluebet. Outstanding. New sponsor of the, the Penrith Panthers Stadium out here. No. Yeah, on board with the I didn't even last. know until they they sent a uh, email through last week. So they said, "Oh, we're the new naming sponsor of the Panthers." I said, "Shit," because Penrith, I think under Gus, he said, "I'll never sell the name of the stadium up." But obviously, with COVID, and it just makes sense if you can make a bucket load um, out of it, and it's obviously a huge benefit to. Whatever company, particularly with how Penrith are flying. Last week, speaking to a few people that work uh, with the local paper and the bits and pieces who broke the story originally, because I'd heard nothing about it, they said it's the biggest stadium sponsorship the Penrith's ever had. So clearly it was a good deal. But uh, Bluebet, on board with the fifth and last NRL podcast for our charity account. No kickbacks for us, but charity, outstanding. We like doing our bit. So you've selected the charity. Who are we on board with for all our winnings this year? Who's it going to? Uh, the Bears of Hope, which is for... Uh, they provide support for people who have had uh, miscarriages, uh, lost babies, stillbirths, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, good a good charity. So Yeah, and there's plenty of good causes, as we've always said. We've done different charities over the years when we used to obviously have that account with Will Hill, and we really appreciated that at the time, but happy to have someone back on board now for the charity account so Bears of Hope hopefully we punt well and we can get some cash in the kitty yep. to uh, donate thanks to Bluebet at the end of the year so with that being said people say don't promote alcohol don't promote betting companies but for charity purposes Bluebet get on board if you don't have an account Bluebet because they're doing a good thing they are charity yep. good times and they're supporting uh, a very very good cause and on board with us in the charity account that's all we always hope to keep things going. We understood when things change, but it's great to have someone back on board from that. So $50 pop a week. Have a think while we're doing our tips about our potential bet. And I'll have a think as well, but bluebet.com. Australians love the blue. Join the 100% true blue Aussie bookie today, Bluebet. Let's have a look, Brock. Let's go through it. The lineups and the first game we've got, Manly versus the Panthers for this week. What do you think about this one? Manly versus the Panthers. Oh, yes. I think Penrith will kill them. As far as changes for Manly, Morgan Boyle has been added to the bench. Tao Fowles simply is the only change. Tommy Trevojevic has leased another round away at the minimum. Stand-in fullback Dylan Walker. Still there. 
And uh, obviously the crisis in the back row with injury sees Josh Schuster stay there with the Panthers. We've obviously got that reshuffle with Dylan Edwards out. Stephen Crichton going back to the position he mainly played before he suddenly jumped into grade after a full year of playing 18s in schoolboy football, mostly as a six and a fullback. He's going to relocate there. And Matt Burton's going into the centres, which like is it. good. Good ball runner, good ball player. Fills in that hole nicely. I really like the reshuffle. Nathan Cleary returns at halfback. And other than that, there is no changes to the Panthers side. So I'm pretty sure we're all Panthers. confident. Did you go through last week's tips? Last week's tips, sorry. Come we on, both got five. Roasty got five and Gossip got four. The totals are me and you on 18, or Gossip and Roast on 17. I haven't seen a message yet with their tips, so I don't have theirs for now. But I will, obviously, for next week's results. Yeah. So just me and you. But for now, we're both on the Panthers. I'm going to guess that they would have been on the Panthers anyway. So I don't think we're missing out. If they're out. not, they can give themselves a triple. Oh, 100%. So with Bluebet, the odds for this one, the Panthers, $1.08,690 for Manly. The handicap, minus 19 and a half, 1 to 12 Manly, $10, $26, 13 plus. Panthers, 1 to 12 is $4.13 plus is $1.40. The Friday night early game is the Dogs up against South Sydney. Another one that I'm sure will be fairly lopsided. And as far as the Bulldogs, there's been a big change. Marshall King out with a foot injury. Sione Katoa named to start a hooker. Nick Manny holds at fullback after a swap with Corey Allen, who goes to the wing. Lachlan Lewis called in at 5'8". Jake Avrilo has dropped. Josh Jackson is suspended for a crush out. Opens the door for runoff for Tony to go into lock. And Jackson to Pine and Dean Britt are onto the bench. A debut for young Jackson to Pine. Down Zeslesniak and Luke Thompson. Uh, both due back next week. So a couple of trips on board there. For South, no surprise. No changes. And Junior Totola did not train with the, the side due to an injury with a hamstring. And Liam Knight's been ruled out indefinitely. Still suffering from symptoms of his concussion. So, yeah, a couple of, of injuries there. And they've got some other guys. Braden Burns, Taff, Selle and Tane Milne, who are still a couple of weeks away from being available for their squad. But I think this one's another... Pretty easy one to sort out. You know what? They've uh, had a rough start of the year, and I think it's only going to get rough for the Bulldogs. And Blue Bet, they agree, $9 are the Bulldogs. $1.06, bank interest for South Sydney. Mm. Minus 21.5 is the line. 1 to 12, Dogs, 950, 13 plus, $41. South, 1 to 12, 450, 13 plus, $1.33. Storm Broncos, Friday night clash. Used to be a bit of a blockbuster, not so much in recent times for Melbourne. Ryan Pappenhausen is back from a neck injury, pushing Nika Hines back to the reserves. Tommy Eisen is out after copping that shot and gotten some busted ribs. Branko Lee has been delayed by Brisbane's COVID lockdown, which has denied him the ability to come down. Felice Kafusi is back from suspension. And Dale Finucane is targeting round five with Harry Grant also a chance for next week. So uh, for Melbourne, only really the one change there with Pappenhausen coming back into the side. Oh, hold on a minute. They said Tommy Eisner was busted. They've named him play. That's a surprise. Yeah. So the bench for now, Smoothie, Kamika What did they say was busted? Well, last week when he came off originally, they were talking broken ribs from that shot. Now they're saying cartilage damage. So might be getting needed up and able to play. Uh, the bench looks the same as it got reshuffled last week, which was Chris Lewis, Darren Shonig, Tui Kamika Mika, and Tyson Smoothie, the extended bench. Now has Nico Hines, Aaron Penne, Trent Lorio, and Dean Eremeyer. 
wouldn't surprise me this week if he was tempted to give Eremiah his debut. He'd be one of the only the third or fourth Victorian player. He's a Victorian. To play for the Storm. Uh, and I wouldn't surprise me as well with Smoothie if he opted to have Nico Hines play in that role, or even Penno this week. On the Brisbane side of things, a couple of players returning. Payne Haas back from suspension. Matt Lodge back from his hamstring. So two guys added to the forward back. It sees Pangai Jr. and Flego go back to the bench with John Asiata, who also returns. Reese Kennedy, Dearden, and Bulamar are all dropped from the side. Wow. And the odds for this one, massive again. A dollar is six for the Storm, nine dollars. For the Broncos, minus 20 and a half the line. 1 to 12, Storm 4, 10, 13 plus $1.38. Brisbane Broncos, 1 to 12, 9 $34.13 plus. Clearly, we're both on the Storm there. Yeah, yeah. No argument? No argument. Sharks versus the Cowboys for the early Saturday game. And interesting in this one, Wade Graham and Will Kennedy have been named to play but still have to go through the concussion protocol. Sandy Katoa suffered a suspected MCL injury, so he will be missing for at least four to six weeks. Marwen Hirotti comes on the wing. Britt Nakora accepted a two-week ban for a shoulder charge on Clint Gutherson. His spot's taken by Teague Wilton, and the new face on the bench is Braden Trindle. They've obviously got a couple of players now missing with Jesse Ramian still suspended, and Royce Hunt, Talakai, as we've said, have still been pushed back until round seven, and Johnson obviously still missing. For the Cowboys, lots of changes. Todd Payton's patience were run out. Jake Clifford and Esau Masters have both been dropped. Mitchell Dunn was injured. He misses out, as does Ruben Cotter. Justin O'Neill moves from the wing into the centres. Connolly Lamilu comes in to play his first game of the season, and Hamiso Tabuai Fido goes back to the wing. Purely on the fact of what I've seen so far, I have to tip the Sharks. Yeah, Regardless sure. of who's playing, because until the Cowboys show me otherwise... It's very, very hard to get on board. Sharks. have been absolutely diabolical. But new back row, uh, Ben Condon and Shane Wright coming in with those injuries. Maguire now moving into lock with Cotter now being out injured. Ben Hampton, another replacement, comes in to start at halfback with Scotty Drinkwater. So massive changes for them this week. Looking for a response, whether he gets it or not. We'll see. But both on the Sharkies, given the effort that you know they're going to put in, they are a dollar thirty-eight favorite. Three oh five for the Cowboys. Minus seven and a half is the line. One to twelve Sharks. Two ninety thirteen plus two fifty. One to twelve Cowboys. Four twenty-five thirteen plus is eight dollars with blue bet. Gold Coast Titans up against the Raiders. Changes Titans same one to seventeen as last week, but pre-match we saw Peachy come into the team. Tino push into the front row. That is confirmed in this week's initial team release. So, Fotuaka, uh, Lasone, Jolie off the bench. Great impact last week. They've been named there this week. And for the Raiders, Dunamis, Louis, and Hudson Young return in a boost for the forward pack that was bruised and battered last week. Louis comes in at prop. Ryan Sutton goes back to the bench, replacing Joe Tapondi out injured. Young replaces Sebastian Chris in the back row, who moves into the centres to fill in for Curtis Scottish out with a rib injury. Chris and Ryan James have to wait and see with the protocols for head knocks before they are named. But Boxhead, Titans, supposed to be up there, potentially being relocated down here. What do you think? Yeah, I'm tipping the Titans. I think they can win. You're on? Canberra didn't really impress me on the weekend. Well, with a bit of a reshuffle uh, as well and a question mark over those two guys, I'm going to go with you. Get on the Titans. And it's... Mm. 
not been a bogey, but they've kind of smoked you a few times in recent years, and in particular, usually play around one or two. Yeah, they've uh, got to use them as a bit of a punching bag. I'm sure the Titans haven't forgot about that. And hope, now you've got a, not. a few troops on board. I'd like to think that they'd be uh, lay a bit of a smack back, keen to lay the boot in and let the Raiders know how it feels. So I hope so. We'll see how that plays out this week, but I can certainly remember the last few seasons when things weren't as great. In particular, it always seemed to be around one or two they played and things hadn't been that pretty, but the bookies got the Raiders as favourites with blue bet, $1.59, dollar fifty nine, two thirty five. you like the Titans, minus four and a half, one to twelve Titans, three sixty, five fifty, thirteen plus. Canberra Raiders, two ninety for one to twelve, thirteen plus is three thirty with blue bet. Newcastle Knights versus the Dragons. Knights looking to bounce back. Dragons are going to continue their good form. Bradman Best, as we said, he's obviously missing. Shibasaki goes into the centres this week, not on the wing, with Toa back, which sees Dom Young out of the side. Probably a good thing Shibasaki's not there back there catching bombs. Smouse. Blake Green is on the team list for the first time this season. So that's big, number 17, as do they whether they have a reshuffle before kickoff and he somehow finds his way in and Kurt Mann might take a spot in the centres there over Shibasaki or someone else. I'm not too sure, but he's very, very close to return. That's a good thing for Newcastle. Brody Jones goes to the interchange from the reserves. Jacob Safidi's been named despite having failed to finish the game with a leg injury, so I have to wait and see. For the Dragons, Adam Clune comes in for Ben Hunt, who suffered that fracture to his fibula over the weekend. And... Uh, at the moment, they're not sure when he'll be back. Braden Williams promoted from the bench to replace the suspended Jack Bird in the centres. And Max Figai and Eddie Blacker come onto the reserves list. What's your thoughts here? It's up at Newcastle. I think they need to respond after last week. I think Hunt being out is a big blow. I still like the forward pack for the most part. The nine for the Newcastle situation. Maybe a late reshuffle there for Green. Um... I'm going to go Newcastle, not with a whole lot of confidence. I like what the Dragons have been doing. Yeah, Newcastle. The momentum they were building and then to have Hunt get injured, Mm. I think that hurts. I do like Clune, but that whole combination that was starting to forge again with the the three Brisbane boys previously, uh, that's a bit of a blow. Newcastle aren't going to lose two four o'clock games in a row at home, are they? Surely not. Main games. And Blue Bet agrees they've got Newcastle at $1.40. I still think it's a bit short given a few clouds there. 290 for the Dragons, minus 7.5 is the line. 1 to 12 for Newcastle, 282, 50, 13 plus. 1 to 12 for the Dragons, 440, $8.13 plus. Roosters Warriors, this is a very difficult game on the Sunday, and we speak about that reshuffle. Tedesco and the back line stays intact. Manu's not in the halves, but Hutchison is now the six with Walker at seven, with Lamb and Kiri missing. Isaac Liu comes into the front row to start for Collins. Lusick stays at nine. Tokiaho, Crichton Tupanua, and Victor Radley. Back at lock, the new bench has Ikavalu with Jared Rea Hargraves, Nat Butcher, Fletcher Baker, and the extended reserves, depending on a possible reshuffle. Egan Butcher would be debuting. Ben Maskey, who's got an exemption to join. Joseph Sawali in the 20, and Takupa K. Hartapua in 21, who I doubt we'll see. Possible for a reshuffle, maybe, um, but we'll have to wait and see. On the Warriors side of things, they've had... A false change with Peter Hickert ruled out for an injury. Expected to miss a month. Marcelo Montoya gets his first game to make a debut in the centres for the Warriors. There's also a reshuffle in the pack. Syrian promoted from the interchange to start in second row. Toe Harris back to lock. Jazz Tavunga back to the bench. Tough game, bro. Yeah. Oh, man, hard one. I'll go the Roosters just on faith. 
I'm going to go to the Warriors. Good on you. I just, yeah, I, I think having a young guy in, having Hutchison, Lussick still there, I think those few spots have me a little bit worried that they might be able to get them with their forward pack. If they stay pretty much error-free and kind of get stuck into those guys, I think they can make it close, but... The yeah. Warriors were um, getting smacked down by Canberra when it was 17 v 17, so... Yeah. Even Hopefully. with a few out, like, the Roosters are pretty... Oh, still pretty good side, depth, yeah. But I just think big loss there. Big game in, like, for those people who think that the Roosters may miss the eight. Oh, yeah. This is a pivotal game for the Warriors if they feel as though they can jump in. Huge to see Walker. Uh, good to get Radley back. But, yeah, with Lussick and that in that setup, still no Verrill, still no friend. Very interested to see how all these kids go playing those key positions steering this side around the field. Yeah. Going to need a lot of help from Hutchison. He's going to need to step up this week to take a little bit of pressure off Tedesco. He's obviously been incredibly busy, plenty of touches in the football um, and more looking to see the key matchup to me is the forward pack. They got dominated last week. They're coming up against a very handy Warriors forward pack. You need more from Jared, Toki, Liu, etc. If those guys don't step up, it's going to be very hard for these young kids in the spine positions to have any influence on the game. Correct. Yeah. So that's the main thing I'm looking for. Roosters are the favourites with Blue Bet. They were $1.45, 275 for the Warriors. The line is at minus 6.5. 1 to 12 Roosters, 280, 275, 13 plus. 1 to 12 Warriors is four twenty-seven dollars 13 plus. Last one, Easter Monday, Tigers, Para. This one, as far as changes are concerned, Madison returns after a precautionary week off. Isaiah Papali'i moves back to the bench. Keegan Hipgrave into the reserves. Mitchell Moses must pass the protocols after failing his HIA. Bryce Cartwright included for the first time on the reserves after that broken jaw in the preseason and an unchanged squad for the Tigers. The only absentees are... Sean Bloor and Billy Walters as far as injuries are concerned and Leilua he's not in he is in the extended bench but probably going to have to wait another week before he gets an opportunity so no surprise after a win they stick with their team but I'm going to go with the Eels yeah Eels to get it's always done. a game though it is but heavy favourites with Blue but are the Eels $1.28 360 for the West Tigers minus 10.5 is a line 1-12 for the Tigers four seventy-five. dollars $10 13 plus one to twelve for the Eels, two ninety two twenty five thirteen plus. So there you go. Only difference we had was that Roosters Warriors game. Once we get gossip and race tips, I think those first few games are pretty straightforward. But there's a few fifty fifties there. I think Titans Raiders be a good game. Knights Saint George, Roosters Warriors, Tigers Eels. There's a couple there that people might see uh, as a bit of contest. You yeah. got any thoughts for the charity bet with Blue Bet, our fifty dollar bet? Probably the Titans. What price are they? We both got on them, and I think they're outsiders. The Titans, they are two thirty-five, my friend. Let's just do that. So if you had your bipty on that, and if it's a bonus bet, you'd return probably what a little bit over sixty-five or sixty something, maybe yeah, something like that. So there'd be money in the kit for the Bears. I hope we're pushing forward through. So again, bluebet.com, get on board the True Blue Aussie Bookie. We appreciate the support. Anyone who's willing to jump in for charity purposes uh, is always. Much appreciated. So if you're out there like us and you usually bet on multiple apps, which we've all got, start laying your cash in the blue bet. Hopefully a bit of goodwill. Yep. Great thanks to them. Big thanks to the Penrose Solar Centre and most importantly, big thanks to everybody out there listening to the show. Rate, review, subscribe, keep helping us grow. Messages, hit us up on Twitter. Like it, retweet it. Keep Send Louie a good message word. on Sunday for his birthday or get upset. <laughs> Mate. Easter. It's You share the, share the same day as... Uh, 
well, not the, not the birthday of, of Jesus, but the, the day, day he rose, the day that Jesus rose, every couple of years, you you rose as well. Every couple of years, me and JC link up. He yeah. rose, and I was born. Yeah, don't like to share it over JC. I can't compare myself to the JC. I can't walk on water, and unfortunately, I can't turn water into grog. That would be nice. Mm. More importantly, I'd like to be able to turn an animal objection to KFC drumsticks, but that's an ability I don't uh, obtain. But. Yeah. yeah, 31, I'm getting old. Yeah. Sad, really. Probably a, a pizza update for those that listen closely. <laughs> oh. Show, no, I, I tore Domino's a new one last yeah. year. And their CEO, Don Mays, you basically told Don Mays to get fucked. Well, I don't even know who that bloke is. He's the CEO but, of yeah, Domino's, mate. He's on every ad. Hi, I'm Don Mays. Yeah, well, I don't watch TV, so <laughs> he, well, he's not on TV shows I watch anyway. Um yeah, I had pizza tonight. I went in there and I bloody I ordered a pizza on my way home because it was late, and dinner here was a clusterfuck. But um, I roll up there, I ordered one pizza, and then the guy gives me two boxes. I said, "What's going on here?" He goes, "Oh, it's two for Tuesday." I said, "How hey, good?" It's gonna say. I thought so, you done yourself out of pizza. I was gonna say, you "Idiot! You should have just left." No, no, two um, two pizzas for fifteen bucks. What a bargain! Oh, you bloody ripper. The Play answer off. is a pineapple pizza. Two for Tuesday. So two for Tuesday. Two for Tuesday. Brock's gonna arc it up and spark it up. A lot better than Domino's. Oh, double pizzas. They have cheap Tuesday, I think. I don't know. Send well, an email to Don Mays. Let him know. The way they make their pizzas every day should be fucking cheap Tuesday. You send one to Don Mays and go, Dom. He calls them New Yorker pizzas, mate. They're not New Yorker pizzas at all. They're terrible. Yeah. I've been in New York. I've eaten New Yorker pizzas, and your pizzas stink. Like I said. You send an email to Dom Mays. I'm not sending. I'm not wasting any time. I'm just telling you, Dom. If you're just a bit of a a pizza update, bit of a pizza connoisseur. I am. Brock's got beef with you, bruh. Dom, fix your game. Yeah, charity for it. Oh, the answer is a pineapple. I'll make him look like a piece of. Dominoes are coming up with techniques, maneuvers to try and maim the stomach. Jitsu. The maim the stomach of people who eat their pizza. Fucking what a ridiculous comment. I just want. It's not aging. I just really wanted to use his voice. Jiu-jitsu moves. Striking people, even though jiu-jitsu oh, involves mate. no striking. Anyway. Dominoes are trying to maim Brock's stomach. Pizza Hut to the rescue. Yeah. Classic. Play on. Well, for everybody out there from the fifth and last NRL podcast, I'd like to say, enjoy your long weekend. Stay safe. Much love to you, your families. Enjoy your rugby league if you're going to hit the cans don't drive it's not a great idea just remember double demerit so if you're going to get a bit tipsy like buzz get an uber or a lyft and most importantly and if your face gets as red as his go home oh yes it's time to go most importantly for now enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league bring it on give us more give us more where are you going where are you, what, 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 what's going on here is that it is that it Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.